Hey everyone, and welcome to the Clippers Blow Leads. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Throwing Up Bricks podcast. Um, we're coming to you on a Wednesday morning, bright and early. The sun is shining, the world is right, and the Clippers have blown it and choked again. I'm Jared, joined by Jake and Jerome. Third time hey, in a hey, row. Hey. We'll keep it rolling. All right, we got we got some stats. So, the Clippers only have 15 playoff appearances in their 50-year franchise history, the most lottery picks of any franchise in NBA history. They are the only <laughs> team that are 0-8 all-time with a chance to clinch a, fi- uh, a conference finals berth. They have 50 years of not making a conference finals, which is the longest streak in North American sports history by far. And they're the only team to have less banners than Taylor Swift in their own arena. So, everybody on the panel, can we agree that the Clippers are now the undisputed worst franchise in North American sports history? Aye. Yeah, it's got to be. Yes, affirmative. I agree. The Clipper curse is real. And this is the best day of my life. Uh, It's so good. Uh, Oh, my God. It's a great day to be a Laker fan. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, it feels so good. Uh, the Clipper curse is real, for sure. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, last night, the Nuggets took on the Clippers in Game 7, baby, and took them down. Took them down in Game 7 after a series where the Clippers were up 3-1. Clippers blow another 3-1 lead. Um, second time in, in franchise history. Third time in Doc Rivers' history as a head coach, which makes him... I mean, he kind of already was. He was no other coach had ever lost more than one series when up three one, and Doc's now done it three times, two times with the Clippers, <laughs> and once with the Magic back Ouch. in three. Oh my God, this is a great day. <laughs> the Clipper curse is real. I didn't believe you, Jake, and this is the happiest I've ever been to lose thirty dollars. It's the happiest <laughs> I've ever been to take thirty dollars. I know it feels good. It feels like I paid for this to happen. So let's give me a little bit of credit here. Um, I think we should just definitely start the show like that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get all the credit right for this one. It, it wasn't any of the Nuggets or, or the Clippers choking, right? We can all agree. Yeah. So in terms of a game, was was it not eerily similar to pretty much all the games before it since Game Four? It really was. The Clippers choked. They they is choke the right word actually. Is because it more felt like they just kind of rolled over and died. Yeah, it feels like they fell asleep. That third quarter, yeah, once again. Uh huh. That yeah. Yeah, again, third straight game again. where the third quarter was absolutely pivotal. So out everything by the Nuggets. Out, yeah, yeah. out played, out hustled, out shot, out worked, out defended. Like they just across the board were an inferior team. You know, in, in 2020, if you're getting if you're if you're getting killed by Paul Millsap, you have a you have a problem with your team. You really do. <laughs> Nothing and against Paul Millsap, but you know of... he's past his prime, and he was killing him in the third quarter. It, it kind of turned on Paul Millsap, right? A few games was it a couple games ago, yeah. or, or maybe just last? I think game that I think Morris, that was like, the, the pivotal base, game five. Oh yeah, yeah he saved them for sure. Yeah, he saved yeah. him with a huge third quarter in Paul Millsap, and like. Yeah, that was all Marcus Morris's fault. He woke the the old man beast. You know, you, you never get an old man angry. You know, he, he's gonna come back. Get that old man. Speaking of which, what happened to Mark to Marcus Morris? He just disappeared. He disappeared. He didn't do I didn't even know he played. Literally, everybody on the Clippers disappeared. Like, did they even feel the team? 
Are they out there playing with Casper? I, I don't know, man. Montrose Harrell was the only guy that consistently was was, yeah. was produced. He finally had a game, but it was just too little too late. And, it, and it's tough because he gets burned on the other end. Like, Jokic yeah. just carves him up on defense. So, like, he's going to be a real question mark this offseason because he's a, he's a free agent. It's tough having those two those two guys that are so crucial on offense, but they just get burned on defense, Lou Williams and Harold. Yeah. And I think Lou. that just kind of shot them in the foot. They're, they're, two, they're two most important players besides uh, Leonard and, and George just didn't show up in the playoffs. They were never yeah. they never got their rhythm and were able to produce consistently. And we've done all this stat looking up and stuff, but do you think that the Clippers might be the only team in NBA history to not make a field goal for seven minutes in a game seven? I don't know. Sometimes game sevens are pretty ugly and people yeah, get weird people like that. that a lot. Seven minutes? So seven it minutes is pretty really embarrassing. Bad. Seven. I mean, it was a brutal stretch. I don't know if you guys were watching that stretch, but like, it was just ugly. They got open shots and they would brick them, like in the corner. Paul George hit. I don't know how <laughs> many sides of backboard and open corner three. Yeah, it, you know what Everybody. it looked like? It looked like he was setting someone up for a dunk contest. Dunk, like, oh, here go, go yeah. off the top of the <laughs> top corner of the backboard, come out of bounds, do like a three sixty windmill. <laughs> really did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except nobody was jumping for it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah, their whole team just went cold. And, and so to recap for everybody, I, I said 104-89, Denver Nuggets beat the Clippers. At halftime, this is a two-point game. The Nuggets were actually down 12 at one point in this game. Another big lead for the Clippers that they blew. Uh, the Clippers were up 12 at one point in the second quarter, I believe. And then behind Jamal Murray's 20 points in the second quarter, and he had he went for a 40 spot in this one overall. Um, they clawed their way back in that second quarter to, to make it a two-point game at halftime. And then uh, just took control, like Jerome said, in the third quarter. And Jokic was amazing and instrumental. Um, he didn't shoot amazing from the field, but that's pretty much all he didn't do because – he went for 16 points, 22 rebounds, broke his own record for the franchise in a playoff game. 22 rebounds, 13 assists. This man is a wizard. He is the best passing big man in the game. I know that's not saying anything because everybody says that now, but he is by far the best passing big man we've ever seen, I think. I mean, look, I've, I, we're not old enough to have seen Bill Walton or uh, Vita in his prime yeah. or Wilt Chamberlain, but he is by far the greatest passing guy over 6'9", not named Magic Johnson or LeBron yeah. that I've ever seen, or Larry Bird. And I don't think the fact that we didn't see those guys like Sabonis or, or even Bill Russell was quite a good passer, right? Um, or, or Walton or whatever. I, I don't think the fact that we didn't see them changes anything. I think no. this is this is amazing. This Especially guy's like a point this guard. game. This was the best, most dominant game I've ever seen somebody play who only took eight shots. I mean, he almost had a triple double in the first quarter, I believe. Like, yeah, he was yeah, yeah. He ended up with it in the third quarter, but yeah. yeah, he was he was pushing for it in the first. You're right. Like from the get go, basically the Clippers' game plan was uh, weirdly to double Jokic this whole game. Like they threw doubles at him basically every possession he had the ball. And he is a wizard at carving those up. Like yeah. he made what, the right what did they think they were going to accomplish by doubling him? I don't know. Like um, he's such a great passer. Like, he, what, what, he's going to find the open man. Yeah. yeah of course he is. And, and the way you beat the Nuggets is not to double Jokic. Like, you want to make Jokic score. Yeah. yeah. 
you you, you want to make Jokic the score because yeah. that's not his natural role. He's not a guy who's going to go for 50 in a playoff game, right? Yeah. He is a guy who's going to go for 22 yeah. boards and 13 assists in a playoff game. I mean, look, doubling <laughs> yeah. him is not a bad idea in of itself, but when he sees the double team coming, you can't do that. It's too easy. Like, I think yeah, I said during the broadcast so that during the USA's uh, bout with Serbia that they would double him only when he wasn't looking because he's, he's too good in that back-to-the-basket passing for you to just bring a double yeah. team and leave three-on-four on the other side of the court. You're right. Van Gundy yeah. brought that up on the broadcast. Good call, Jake. And, and that that is very important. Uh, they kept bringing it when he could see it. Uh, but even the times they brought it when he couldn't see it, he's so good at kind of like just feeling the pressure coming and, and pivoting and knowing where his guys are that even if they, they kind of surprise him with the double team, he knows where his guys are and he's going to make the pass. Um, and, and yeah. When he gets that three three on two opportunity, um, when like he gets the pocket pass from Murray on the pick and roll, the high pick and roll, and then he's barreling to the rim, he gets the ball, and he's in that that scenario where you've got two defenders, and he's just reacting to what they do. He is perfect. That he is the best pick and roll playmaker out of the high post there I've I've ever seen mm-hmm. because yeah. he never makes the wrong decision. He's either going to get you with a little floater. He's going to if the defense collapses on him. <laughs> And leaves the shooters in the corner. He's going to dish it there. Or, you know, if the defense perfectly rotates, a guy comes up to him, a guy from the wing rotates down on the shooters in the corner. He's going to pivot midair and pass it out to the guy behind him for an open three. Like he's unstoppable when he gets that three on two kind of opportunity going in the yeah. high post. Um, and then we, we haven't really even mentioned Murray, who went for a 40 spot. He almost answered yeah. your call to action, Jerome, and went yeah. for 50. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, well, Another, Jamal Murray line theory is is still in effect, Jared. If you look at his yep. stat line, you can tell who won the game. Although Jamal they really Murray only needed 20 of those points. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. They, went yeah. By. They, they needed his 20-point second quarter to keep them in the game. And then after that, it was just they, yeah. their whole team started raining threes and playing well. They yeah. were on a string I mean, on defense. It is funny. Like Ever since Michael Porter Jr. made that comment, they really have – even though Murray scored 40, like they really have diversified their offense. Like the third quarter they was have. not just Murray going off. It was everyone just getting involved. <laughs> yeah, because Jokic was sitting for a large portion of that because of yep. foul trouble. And yeah. they yeah. had guys in there playing amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean they've Porter. got two star players that can do everything pretty much. And if they could just play through them and get other guys involved, that's when they start dominating. You know who I absolutely love on this team? Jeremy Grant. That guy, I love that guy. He might be the best role player right now in the NBA. He's so like he can do a little bit of everything, and I love it. Another guy, the Thunder just let go. Like, oh, yeah. you want Jeremy Grant? Sure, you can. You can have him. We don't want to pay him. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to get paid this summer. Yeah, because he was huge defensively. He's a he's a monster. He's so long and so quick yep. that he can just harass these guys like Paul George and and Kawhi. Um, and then offensively, if he's confident and in stepping into those threes, if he's slashing to the rim, he's a good plus player. He's kind of like I a hope Trevor retains him if they can because he, yeah, yeah, uh, good. That's what I was yeah. gonna say. Good point. For sure, for sure, he definitely is. He brings that that role player energy um, that you really want. You know, a guy that's yeah. not you know hungering for shots, but when when asked mm-hmm. to, can can do it occasionally. Yeah, it's Absolutely. perfect. And um, I'm gonna shout out Gary Harris as well because. He doesn't shoot well from three, and maybe he'll never recover the shooting that he showed promise uh, as young earlier in his career when he was a younger mm-hmm. guy. But his defense is amazing. 
This guy yeah. harasses people like he's a taller Pat Bev. You know, he's in people's faces. He's in their jerseys. He rotates on on a string, man. He can he can find he has like everybody's position on the floor mapped out in his head. It feels like and he knows exactly where the open guy is. and He scrambles to that guy as soon as the play breaks down. And I don't know his defense. I feel like turned this team around because when he came back against the in the jazz series and he started putting a little bit of locks occasionally on, on Mitchell, that's really turned the series around for them there. And his defense again was pivotal in this one. Yeah. In the modern NBA where you switch everything, the more guys you can have on the floor that can defend one-on-one uh, a wing guy or a guard, the better you're going to be defensively. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So we talked a lot about Denver. What do you guys have to say about the Clippers collapse though? Yeah. Because it was a collapse. Yeah. There's no other dude, way to put it, right? Dude, the, as much as we've praised Denver, there's no reason, absolutely no reason that the Clippers should have lost this game, game six, or game five. Absolutely not. I mean, think about it this way. You take pretty almost any three um, players on the Clippers, you add their points together, Murray scored more or or <laughs> almost even them out. Like the highest ones, the highest three-player total is Harrell with 20, Beverly with, with 11, and Kawhi with, with 14. And that's pretty that, – what's that? That's 45, right? That's barely – that's barely more than Murray. The three of three, their three top scorers. That's it's unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable, and and their stars just didn't show up, right? I Again, mean, Kawhi went six for twenty-two. Paul George went four for sixteen. And maybe we should get into this now. So personally, I'm on the camp where I'm going to give Kawhi a pass, and I know a lot of people are going to be blaming him. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve blame for this game, but mm-hmm. I'm not saying we should lambast him as a player and, and as a guy who not doesn't show up and blah 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 because that's not true. This is his first bad game in like whatever in his playoff career in elimination mm-hmm. games. I think he's kind of deserved, you know, a little bit of leeway. He had a bad game, but he was pushing because nobody else on his team was doing anything. And he looked exhausted to me kind of from the jump, which I guess for Kawhi Leonard in a series where you're basically playing every other day and you're playing for a long time in the bubble and there's really no break between series. Um, for a guy like him who's so I don't know, dependent on rest and, mm-hmm. and, and, and getting that quad right and all that <laughs> stuff, it seemed to affect him more as yeah. the series went on than, than other guys. Um, and so when they needed him to step up and be the robot automatic surgeon, it felt more like he was pushing, like he was really yeah. trying to do these things where normally he just smoothly operates and gets to his spot. Yeah. Cause I think, um, you know, a downside of the, uh, you know, load management style is I think you never really want a guy to have to do something for the first time in the playoffs. Kawhi yeah. Leonard, played 43 and a half minutes yesterday or was it? Yeah. Yesterday. Right. That's mm-hmm. not something I don't think he ever did that in the regular season. I would very highly doubt it. If, and you know, like if you're doing that for the first time, how are you going to, ha- you know, you know, you don't know how you're going to handle something like that. So that's the, maybe they got to work in more, you know, every now and then like uh, play them, play them a lot of minutes, like as if it's a playoff game, you know, um, during the regular season so at least it's not the first time he's doing it is in the playoffs you're 100 right and it kind of reminds me of like i mean excuse this analogy but back when i used to run cross country and track and stuff like you want to occasionally mix in the practices where you're running as hard as you possibly can where you're running all mm-hmm. out where you're doing interval training because if you never do that come race time you're not used to it you can't push you can't yep. do that you can't you don't have that extra you gear past that limit. You don't have that yeah. gear. So I think you're 100% right. I think they need to work that in. And 
Okay, I agree with you that he maybe has one of the best playoff resumes uh, this far in his career, but it doesn't mean that he should get a pass for this Game 7 performance. Because if LeBron, if MJ, if Kobe, if any of those guys would have performed like that in a Game 7 elimination game, especially up 3-1, they would be they would be lambasted for it. And I think he has to be. He shot horrible, 6-for-22. That's that's god awful. It's not like he was getting bad looks. He was getting great looks all game. Him and Paul George. I've never seen two star players play as horribly in any playoff game as those two guys. They had twenty four combined points. If AD yeah. and LeBron did that, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's you're right. You're right. I just really I think he deserves a pass. It, it's unconscionable. You're right. I just think he deserves a pass because of all he's done in the past and and how he's shown he always shows up and this is really the first instance that you can point to where yes, he hasn't it's not, it's not going to break his legacy but he still needs to be criticized for it fair enough and then uh feel free to pile on paul george because he's an idiot unbelievable Un- playoff p rears his ugly head once again this is playoff p this is what you get like you're either going to get a, a really good perform i think uh ryan rosillo uh says it all the time he refers to paul george as his 30 and 13 guy his 30 and 13 theory where like you're either going to get 30 points on great shooting or you're going to get 13 on like exactly what we saw today like really bad 20 yeah. percent shooting from the field just doesn't show up in any facet of the game and paul george in this one 10 points, 10 measly points. He's a minus 20 on the game, 4 of 16 from the field, 2 of 11 from 3, 0 of 1 from the free throw line. Uh, Michael Green scored more points than him. (laughs) He did. Jermichael Green. Yeah, on less than half as many shots. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's it's insane. Look, for anyone who watched the game, it looked like Denver was beating them down in the third and fourth quarter, but really in that fourth quarter, the Clippers were missing wide open shots time to time and again. Yeah. I don't think I've ever laughed at any comedy movie or stand up special as much as <laughs> I was laughing when Paul George shot like three threes in a row and bricked every single oh, one. It's culminating <laughs> in that tap tap corner of the backboard. Oh my god, this was the funniest fourth quarter. I've ever seen the Clippers just collapse. There's no way to put it. It's a Clipper curse. They've never made a conference finals and they never will, no matter who's on their team. Yeah. They contracted a serious case of the alligator armitis there in the fourth quarter where uh, <laughs> literally everybody who put up a shot, just short armed it or missed it horribly. Um, Paul George missed Jermichael green missed from the three Marcus Morris hit the side of the backboard as well. I think um, Lou Williams missed a wide open layup. Like oh my God, it was just horrible. it was just the worst sequence of events that could have happened yeah. to a team in that fourth quarter. All right, I've got a quick question did. for you guys. So the Clippers that that Bleacher Report story that I said where they were asking for subs after three minute stints in the fourth and third quarters, how <laughs> exhausted they were. Do you think that's a result of them doing this thing where they were coasting through the regular season, coasting through the bubble, coasting at times through the playoffs? And then they expected to be able to just turn on a switch and then just close out games. And they, they weren't conditioned to do it. Like you were saying, Jared, is that the reason that they've collapsed for three games in a row? Well, like Jerome was saying, but um, yeah, I, I guess I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely an aspect of not being used to it and not being able to flip the switch. It's, 
it's kind of a, it's annoyed me all season. I know it's annoyed you as well, Jake, and I, I hope it has annoyed you, Drew, but then maybe not. But that the Clippers have kind of been acting like they've been there. They've been acting like they, you know, they were already anointed the crown, like they were already the big kids in town, like they had done mm-hmm. this. They were acting like they were on their run after their third straight championship, and they deserved to just yeah sit back yeah. and maybe flip a switch. Yeah. When really they've done nothing. This entire team, except for Kawhi, has done nothing. Kawhi proved himself last year and has proven himself multiple times in the playoffs. Everybody else, nothing. You've done nothing. You've you've not accomplished yeah. anything in the playoffs in your career. So I don't know why they all acted like this the whole season. They they acted like they'd already done it, like they'd already won. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the no championship version of the 08 Celtics. Like everyone on that squad acts yeah. like they had a three-peat. Like you guys kind of underperformed, honestly, after that first year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they made it back to the finals and made it to the game seven, but you know, that with those three guys, as, as you know, it seems like they should have done a little bit more than that. I agree. Yeah, they weren't a dynasty, and they were acting yeah. like it. And yeah. now the, the Clippers were acting like they were a dynasty without winning anything. Yeah, without winning anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that? I, I don't know, man. No, I guess that kind of links it links to the Doc Rivers connection. Is Doc Rivers overrated? Like, is he yes. even a good coach anymore? He's a good coach, but I think he's highly overrated. People talk about him like he's one of the top five coaches in the league. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's overrated, and he underperforms. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard when guys have won championships, but then yeah. outside of their championship runs, they show this sort of playoff record, yeah. right? It's, it's really hard to correctly evaluate who he is. Yeah. Um, uh, because he's won a championship in Boston against the Lakers. Like, that's that's nothing to sneeze at when you win mm-hmm. a championship like that means something yeah. no, not you know you can't be a against bad prime coach kobe yeah. and win a championship yeah against prime kobe but he's yeah. also the coach who's blown three individual series where his team was up three one the only coach in history to do that and the clippers are now zero and eight like you said at the beginning jake all time in getting their chances to clinch conference finals break a lot of those coming at the hands of you know him as the coach as the league coach doc rivers so Right. Here's here's a thought though, you know how players can kind of have like you know kind of mediocre players can have that one year where like oh he shot like forty five percent from three you know is that a thing that happens with coaches where they just kind of have a hot year for whatever reason like maybe the the style of the NBA kind of matched the way they try to coach and then it just doesn't ever work out after that do you think that could yeah. be the case with Doc Rivers definitely that's a really good point yeah i haven't thought about it like that before but you've seen it a lot of times where coaches kind of just vault up the Mm -hmm. the ranks one random year and then after you know outside of that if you just did took that out of the equation they really wouldn't look all that good yeah i think all you need to know about how okay he's a good coach he's not a great coach and i think i can defend that by his performance this game when they were doubling Jokic when he was in the in the high post or you know 10 feet out from the basket and he was carving them up off the pass did he ever adjust and try to do something else maybe just front joker or double him off the ball or force somebody else to he never adjusted and he just continued that entire play style the entire second half yeah i'm with kind you like he a, didn't make the private adjustments in this game for for sure is he kind of like is he like budenholzer level then in that case like they just kind of have their game plan and if it works it works if it doesn't then that's it that's what it seems like. Yeah, it's hard for me to remember back through his previous playoff series yeah. and, and think about the adjustments he did or did not make. I'd have to go back one thing that's really disappointing is that I remember back on the Celtics days because I, I live in Massachusetts, so like we used to see like we have the Celtics channel, we see all the Celtics games. Um, 
they always closed out last two minutes um, of every single quarter. Those Celtics teams, even when they weren't winning, you know, championships, the last two minutes of quarters, they closed them out so hard. They were always the better team. And their out-of-timeout plays were almost always, you know, they, they get a high-quality look. And that's not something you really see anymore from, from, from Doc Rivers' team, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Like, that was kind of his calling card back, back with the Celtics. I wonder what happened with that. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know. Because it, it does seem something has changed since he yeah. came to the Clippers. And I think it's the curse. I believe now, Jacob. I believe in the Clipper curse. <laughs> I don't I, see how you can't at this point. Well, I, I always kind of did, you know. But it's it's also something you just kind of say as a Lakers fan. And you're like, yeah, the Clippers stink <laughs> because they got the curse and all that stuff. But I don't know how else to describe it. They had Kawhi, yeah. Paul George, and the most stacked team in the league. And they lost to the Nuggets. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. It's a curse. Yeah, there's, there's no way to put it. It's real, and if you don't believe it, then I think you're a moron. Yeah, call up Bill Murray, call up Dan Aykroyd because they've got a ghost in town. They need to exercise this thing. <laughs> well, I don't know if I don't know if they they might. Maybe they just need to move back to San Diego. Yeah, or yeah. or the Forum, which I think they're going to do, and just change your. They got to get out of Staples. They yeah. have to get everything. out of Staples Center. Yeah, now that I think about it, if they go to the forum, is that any better? You're just inhabiting the old Laker grounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they gotta get out of LA. Yeah. I think they need to change the name from the Clippers. Because they although they've I guess they were the Braves before that, but they've they've never had any success as the Clippers, as that team. It's time to change the name. Maybe go back to the Braves. Might be. be the yeah, LA Braves. Branding. They could they could pull the uh go go the the um the Angels route from baseball and go to the Los Angeles Clippers of Anaheim. There you go. Build <laughs> <laughs> the stadium there. That'd be great. Yeah, they definitely need a rebrand in some sense because yeah. they are cursed, man. They're, I don't know. They need to get a witch doctor. Just think out about there how demoralizing that must be, though. You go to the you go to the stadium. Outside, there's like five thousand statues of Lakers greats. No statues of any okay. Clippers. Not you go into the stadium. Insane. Banners galore. None of them are yours. One of them is Taylor Swift's, apparently. <laughs> like what? It's so de- it must be so demoralizing. Like, and when there's Laker versus Clipper games, even if it's a Clipper home game, it's all Laker fans. The entirety oh, yeah. is all Laker fans. Yeah, it's like there was a natural disaster in their hometown, and they're they're temporarily playing in that stadium. That's what it feels like, but for yeah. an entire season. Yeah. And I, I would feel bad if it weren't for that attitude they had all season where they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, we've already exactly. won the championship. We're deserving, you know, streetlights over spotlights, except you're in all the commercials and you're constantly shoving it in people's faces that you choose streetlights over spotlights. So really? <laughs> well, I think what's interesting about that is because, you know, Kawhi Leonard doesn't really have like that kind of in terms of leadership. He's not a charismatic leader where he's like, you know, yeah. his personality takes over the team. Neither is Paul George. So. It kind of ends up just being Patrick Beverly. His personality yeah. kind of takes over the team, and he has that kind of "I already earned," you know, you know what I mean, like that kind of mentality where, like, oh, we already did the, you know, like he's that's just kind of who he is. Yeah, and yeah it that, is. You know, like that's not if LeBron's there, that's not happening. You know, you, you switch out Kawhi for LeBron, and that's not that mentality is not there. And I guess the closest you get to where like the objectively best two players don't lead the team spirit wise is Golden State. Yeah, and back before KD came, right when yeah. when Clay's not really all that outspoken and Steph's not all that outspoken, and so Draymond's the yeah, like you said, the the fiery leader of the team. However, Draymond's better. 
Like Draymond's way better than Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Like, Draymond's a multi-time all-star. He's one of the best defensive players we've He's ever seen. He's such an impactful player, yeah. He's an impactful player. He can run the offense at times. Like mm-hmm. it's different because he's on a different level yeah. when And when also he used to be able to shoot. I don't know what happened to him, but he used to be able to right. shoot threes. Right. There was a period where he was <laughs> in able his heyday. You know, he was at least a league average shooter, yeah. but looked ugly, um, but it went in. Yeah. But when yeah, when you're calling on Pat Bev and Marcus Morris to be your your guys to lead the team emotionally, yeah. then yeah, maybe that's the problem right there. Agreed. Morris needs to be more. Those guys need to be like your third and fourth spiritual leaders, not your top. Like they're good guys to have in the wings, but like not as right. your main guys. Spiritually. They're good tools to have, but they shouldn't yeah. be leading the charge. Get that good toughness. But yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got to say. It was a great day for me. I'm ecstatic. <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys, I think I, I was so excited. I think I play off peed a little in my pants. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so did you hit the side of the toilet? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I hit the rim. Like, <laughs> I think, I think people really need to understand like Kobe is the exception to that proves the rule that you can't make your own nickname. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. is very much the exception. And he did it after he won championships. Let's exactly. Be clear. Like he was but already like... established. And also, come on, Black Mama, that's so cool and fitting. Like, come on. It is. Yeah. And it actually works. Playoff yeah. P, oh my God. He playoff peed himself for sure. Um, all right, let's let's move on then, because I think yeah. I mean unless you guys have anything else to say. No, I think that's about it. Hey, I'm just glad we never have to talk about the Clippers for the rest of the season. <laughs> I am so happy as well. All right, do you guys want to move on to the? Oh, actually, one more thing. Um, Dame and and McCollum were oh going. My oh my god! <laughs> the Twitter universe after this game. It was amazing. It was oh my goodness! Oh, it's so good. <laughs> well, you have to. You can't let them get away yeah. with that, especially guys like Pat Beverly. Yeah. And you know what? I I have I've had this working theory for years where like. Playoff basketball karma is a thing. Every time you make fun of or act cocky in a series, um, you lose. It happened to the Thunder when they went up big on the Warriors. They got all cocky and they were yelling and making fun of uh, the Golden State Warriors and stuff. And then Clay just destroyed them. And then it happened a series later when Clay made fun of LeBron and said, he said, what? You know, he's a big baby or whatever he said, right? And then LeBron and the Cavs came back and beat them. Yep. It, and, and in this series, earlier in this series, Paul George was like, oh, yeah, we're fine. We got this in the bag, uh, talking about this series. And then guess what? They lose. You cannot you cannot do that. You cannot, in NBA yeah. playoff basketball, you cannot taunt before the series is over because you will lose. It's a thing. And karma is a thing. Yeah. Speaking of the Warriors, I miss so, so much the pre-Durant Warriors, and I can't wait. I'm really excited for next year just to see that again. Me too. I agree. Yeah, I think the NBA landscape – God, the Western Conference is going to be so stacked next year. It's going oh, to be insane. That's going to be scary. Even more insane than this year somehow, which was crazy this year. Yeah. So, I don't know. When has the Western Conference not been stacked? Yeah. Yeah, the East needs a little bit of propping up, really. They they need an exodus of talent from the West into the yeah. East, really. Like one of these years where just a whole free agent class signs in the East instead. Um that would that would help the balance because yeah. it's been a quite a long time since we had a proper balance between the conferences. I think that's there's a reason why they uh, they start doing the All Star game the way they do with the yes. picks. Yeah, <laughs> instead of just the talent instead of just East West. Yeah, yeah. Now they just need to make sure it's actual voting that happens yeah. that way. You know, 
actually elect. But you can't say like now it's the East is like you know the top at least five or six teams are solid. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, the for top sure. of the East is fine. The it's bottom, the, the bottom two are bad now in terms yeah. of playoff teams. For sure, it's it's the depth that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, like, let's move. Why on. was Washington in the bubble at all? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the discussion for another day. I don't know why they did that, but uh, let's move on. Do you guys want to move on to the previewing the uh, Lakers Denver series, or do you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, let's the- do that. I say we do that really quickly, just because we're on the topic, anyways. Okay. Okay. So I don't know when the first game kicks off. I haven't looked at the schedule. Um, I, I suspect it's not for a few days or not for a couple of days. I think it's least. Friday. It's Friday. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Friday yeah, at Friday. 6 p.m. Nuggets Lakers. So that's Eastern uh, Western time. I mean, sorry, yep. Western time, Pacific time. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> um, what are your guys' keys to this series? So is first of all, I keep hearing this asked on like the radio when I was driving home last night and and podcasts and stuff this morning. They keep talking about like, are the Nuggets really an easier opponent for the Lakers? And in my head before the series, 100%, right? Like AD matches up good against Jokic. He's actually kind of got his number career-wise if you look at it. That Jokic shoots, I think, a career worst against any other single person in in the league. Um, And and guard wise, like we don't necessarily have guards to score against them, but we have guys to throw at, at Murray and waves guys to like exhaust them. Rondo's going to mm-hmm. get under his skin, much like Pat Bev can at times. And, and wing wise, they have nobody to guard LeBron. Um, now granted they had nobody to guard Kawhi and yet they did it in this series. So maybe that's an overstated, uh, yeah. aspect of this, but I think the real advantage is AD. Um, but does that matter? Maybe, I mean, I'm a firm proponent of whoever wins in a playoff series. You're the better team. That's yeah. what that means. You yeah. won if you're the better team. Like, it's not a fluke. It's not a mistake. You know, the worst team didn't win by circum. They won because they're the better team. They beat you. So, in my mind, the Nuggets are a better team than the Clippers, and we've kind of underestimated their power all, all along. So, mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys are thinking. What, what's your feel on this series? Um, I think I agree that the, we ma- the Lakers match up better. I almost said we. That was a close one. Um, uh, I just yeah, think the, the key thing is that Anthony Davis, we won't have to double team Joker. Anthony so Davis can effectively guard Joker without a double team. And that's going to be huge because that's why the Clippers got carved up is because they were playing three on four on the, on the other end of the floor while doubling Joker. Uh, but I agree. I don't think you can us- underestimate the Nuggets, especially when they somehow flip a switch when they're down 3-1. So it doesn't matter. They're never going to be out of a series no matter what's happening. I do think the Lakers are the better team. I do think the Lakers are going to win. But you cannot count the Nuggets out. They've proven yeah. time and time again this playoffs that they're a legit contender. When they're playing at their best, when everything's clicking and Joker's dominating and Murray's hitting his shots, they might be the best, one of the best teams in the NBA. Yeah. yeah, I was joking with my coworker last night that the Lakers better go up 3-0 or 3-2 in this series. Exactly. They better stay the heck away from that 3-1. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, it's very interesting. It's, it's the matchup between the uh, the D-bag sweeping Lakers and the 3-1 comeback uh, Nuggets. So game yeah, five should is. be pretty it interesting. <laughs> should be very I guess that's, interesting. That's my key to the series is game five. <laughs> Pivotal game five, man. Yeah. Pivotal, as always. Um, but I mean... In terms of just the, the matchup, like, yeah, they, they were able to stop, like, Kawhi and George, but they have very different play styles from LeBron because they're – I still feel like those they two, do. they're primarily shooters. LeBron's primarily a, a slasher, you know, yeah. a, a, on a level that those two guys are not even – And a really playmaker, close. too. 
and a playmaker exactly um so they really haven't i mean and who has come up against anyone like lebron other than if you're playing lebron but like they haven't had to deal with that and good point you know I think LeBron's going to do LeBron things. AD's going to do AD things. So it's really going to be like, can Rondo keep being playoff Rondo? You know, can um, can KCP get his shots in? You know, can 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 these other can these other guys step up? And if they can do it, you know, reasonably well and kind of match the the Nuggets kind of other guys, then I think it's the Lakers series to lose. Yeah, Davis needs to put up thirty on Joker every night. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off your point there because we, we kind of had some found money in the last series, the Lakers, with our, our role players stepping up and hitting threes finally, shooting well from mm-hmm. the field, contributing. We got Caruso in there. We got Rondo. We got some Morris time. You just said we like eight times. <laughs> I've given up. I am the Lakers and they are me. It's, um, it's a very natural thing to do. I do it yeah. all the time. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, so if, if that happens again in the series, if the Lakers role players step up, and give big contributions and knock down shots. Like you said, Jerome, it's going to be really difficult for the Nuggets to come back because when we're doing that, we look kind of nigh unstoppable. I said, we again, okay, I really got to stop this. The Lakers look nigh unstoppable when their role players are firing on all cylinders and complimenting what LeBron and AD do. Yes. AD do when it's just LeBron and AD scoring. That's when they run into trouble and it's been weird. So the Nuggets, Really what they've done, if you look at their box scores, is they take advantage of every single good Jamal Murray game. Like He's still mm-hmm. kind of all over the place like he's been for most of his career in the playoffs. Yeah. Like He had really bad games and he has really good games. What they've done better this playoff run is taking advantage and not losing yeah. those really good games. They did, I think they did lose one that was like the double overtime lost, to right, right, the right. Jazz. Cause, the but jazz, that was because, right, really. I mean, you know, Mitchell went off equally as much. <laughs> exactly. I guess a little so, bit more, yeah. Thankfully, awesome. what they've done is they, they've, you know, he had enough good games in that series and they, they took advantage yeah. of the good games in the Clippers series. Yeah. So what the Lakers are going to have to do, I guess, is just not let him go off for four games. Like if yeah. he goes off for three games, then we're, we're good. We're golden. <laughs> because like I said before, I think AD is a good matchup for Jokic. And I, I don't think he'll be as much of a game wrecker. He'll still get his because Jokic is amazing. But yeah. I don't think he'll be as much of a game wrecker because, like you said, Jake, we can guard him one-on-one with AD, which is something that no other team can really do outside of maybe if the Philly had gotten together and got to the finals and played them. Yeah. And B could probably take yeah. him one-on-one. But I mean, I think as a team, that, the key for the Lakers is going to be when you're in an elimination, when you have the chance to close out the Nuggets, you need to close them out. And I think the Lakers have done that. They've done it for two series in a row now. They have, and they have one thing that no other team has, and that is LeBron James. Yeah. So we'll see, Jerome. Are you still sticking to your feel out game one? Yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be uh, fifteen four and four for LeBron. <laughs> on Classic feel out. He's gonna let the yeah. Nuggets get up because they really only play good from behind. We've seen. So yeah, but I, I they could they good. could win still with him doing that because you know. Once again, like Morris, Green, Caldwell, Pope, you know, Kuzma, Rondo, Caruso. Like these guys can can get theirs, you know, and if they do, they can win kind of even if LeBron plays like that. And if AD goes off too. AD has to go off. Yeah. You're right. That is the linchpin of all this, right? AD has to go off. If we have multiple bad AD games, it'll become a series really, really, really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Because he is our advantage for sure. Okay, 
So what are your guys' picks for this series? I would, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say Lakers in five. They're going to do the D bag sweep again. Lakers in five confidence Lakers from Jerome. Five. Jake. Uh, I've got Lakers in six. I just think Denver's too good. And they're, I don't know. I'm just scared of them, but I trust LeBron and I trust the role players to continue to playing at a high level. I think the Lakers have hit that next gear and I think they're going to stay there for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, I'm with Jake on this one. Lakers in six. I am very scared of Denver as well. I think the Lakers could easily overlook them in a couple games in this series, and they could just jump on us from the yeah. get-go. Um, and Jamal Murray, man, he's just a he's a firecracker waiting to go off. He could just yeah. light up in, in any game here and just demolish us with an, an, a pouring it of too many points for us to match. Because you've seen our offense go stagnant a lot of times in the bubble. So if that yeah. happens and a Jamal Murray game coincides with it, it, it – Good luck, Lakers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I'll take them in six, though. Yeah, another. I think another key is, I think they need to stay with you know Dwight, Dwight and, and Javale on the bench. I think they have to keep playing small. I think that's their that's their big advantage because okay. um, you know you you play either you know Morris or Davis at the five, and just keep kind of rolling with that because I think just offensively there, it just makes it so much so much easier. Those you know the driving lanes open up and and all those and you know things like that interesting and because I think, that, I think that's I, important because you know davis can play straight up Jokic, and then they don't really have that second guy um they don't really have that second big who's their second big guy like grant right yeah tends to like, be Grant. you know you just stick marquee on him no big deal they don't really play mason Plumley and Jokic at the same time so yeah. they don't really have a twin tower set up like the lakers would have you're right i, I think, think though that they're going to be able to get away with a little bit more JaVale and Dwight Howard is the lone big guy out there minutes, you know, when, when okay. he goes to the bench, then then last series, right? Because yeah, last yeah, series, yeah. there was, was no super small, up yeah. against. Exactly. And then this series, at least there is Jokic and there is Plumlee for however yeah. many instances. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. Um, so I think we'll be able to get a little bit of AD on the bench time. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, but you it will be interesting. In Who do you yeah, think is better on Jokic, JaVale or, or, or Dwight? I'm going with JaVale. Yeah. I think his length is bothers Jokic a little bit more uh-huh. yeah um even though he's not quite as strong as dwight right yeah. but i think, I think he's dwight a little bit is, quicker than dwight too right he's definitely definitely quicker yeah, yeah he can recover um and dwight just sometimes he gets into these pushing battles and Jokic is so good at just wearing you down and yeah. weighing on you and leaning on you all game yeah that dwight get might just get frustrated and start pushing back and shoving mm-hmm. and get in foul trouble and that might hurt us as a team so i'm a little worried about that um Okay, well, that's where we're sitting with this series. Let's move on. Uh, we did have another game yesterday. Yeah. Even we and when, about and what a game. And what, what a, game. a game. Yeah. Amazing. The Heat. Game one, Heat Boston went down to the wire and then passed the wire because they went to overtime. And in overtime, the Heat finally managed to down the Celtics 117 to 114. Crazy game. Amazing out of bio block. Jimmy was great. Tatum was great all game. Kemba was really the only Celtic that didn't have it going from three. And what do you guys have to say about this? Uh, As I was saying before the podcast, I think Miami is the most consistent team in the playoffs by far. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. They are very consistent. Boston might be a close second. Yeah. 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 Boston's been very consistent. Because this game could have gone either way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because how, how many times are you going to be able to, you know, 
Like how many times does, does Bam actually get that block? If that play right. runs like hundred right. times. Exactly. For those that don't know what we're real, we're talking about in OT down the stretch, Jason Tatum went to the hole thinking he would tie the game with an open dunk. He, he burned his guy. He got to the rim and then out of nowhere, as soon as Jason Tatum rises up, bam, just appears out of nowhere in front of the rim jumps. And this is the most insane block I think I've ever seen. Maybe it's hyperbole. Maybe it's a prisoner of the moment thing, but I don't think I've ever seen someone's hand full on the ball, get bent back into the rim. And then he managed to contest it and pushes yeah. it out. Like th- it's insane. Like, the dude's yeah. whole hand went in the rim with the ball <laughs> yeah. and he managed to just like push it back out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it, it give does. Him honestly, give him one point, maybe. Give him yeah, one give, point. Give him a half a point there. <laughs> Cause it was insane. I, yeah. I don't know how he did it and it didn't break his hand, but it, it yeah. was huge. It well, was pivotal. One thing on that is, you know, this, this could have repercussions because he didn't get a major injury, but he might have gotten something. You know, like he could have tweaked something in his shoulder or elbow or wrist or something because just the way his arm was bent, it seems like you got to take some damage from that. And that could that could be important in this series. If he if he's a little bit off, right. you know, that could that could be huge. I don't know if he's necessarily got injured, but there's definitely a possibility. There's definitely a possibility, yeah. for sure. As close as this game was. I don't think the Celtics would have been in this game if it wasn't for Marcus Smart and his scoring. Yeah, Marcus Smart has quietly had an amazing playoff run. Yeah. Right? Like he's been he's put up these 20 spot games multiple times in the last few series, yeah. last couple series, sorry. He, um yeah, he's getting open looks cuz they're they're making him beat them and he did this. They are. He was unbelievable. He's been confident. He's pulling up on fast breaks off the dribble. I've never seen yeah. him play like this before. Well, he did, and yet he didn't, because once again, they lost in a game that Marcus Smart blew up in. Yeah, mm-hmm. Have they won a game that he's blown up in? I mean, he's been giving them great minutes, and he's kept them in games, but have they won a game where Marcus Smart has been like their leading scorer or their second leading scorer? No, I, they have not. I don't think so. And so basically, to me, it keeps pointing to this thing where like, if Marcus Smart is having to score that much, that means somebody else didn't show up. And in this game, unfortunately, that was Kemba. Right. He did poor in 19, but he went like, what, one of seven from three? Is, is if I recall right? Mm-hmm. One of nine, um, actually. One of nine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Even worse. So, however, though, frustrating. Kemba in OT and, and down the stretch was huge. Like he had the classic Kemba step back on Hero. Um, he did. Which was huge. And then, and actually, Tatum kind of, he was 0 for 4 in the, in the overtime. Yeah. And, yeah. Like you, you think maybe Kemba takes one of those shots instead, it's a different game. True, maybe. But it's hard. So. That that's kind of the downside of having all these guys that can play make is, you know, it's hard to to know who should be who should be taking the shots. Um, it, it is at times. It is hard. Yeah. There's a little bit of a hot hand syndrome biting yeah. on the butt there, um, and I think a, a major driving force in this game was the three point shooting. So the Heat only took 36 threes, but they made them at a 45% clip, essentially. Well, he went 16 for 36. Boston shot a respectable 35%, but they had to take 42 to get 15 threes. So they had to take 42 threes to get one less than the Heat did. And that's tough, and that's something to watch out for in this series as a whole mm-hmm. because Miami is just a better shooting team. Yeah. So if they can – and they didn't even have many of their shooters cooking, right? Duncan yeah. Robinson went two for seven. That's not that's not gonna yeah. happen all season. Speaking speaking of Duncan Robinson, is it time to 
to um just put to switch him and, and Tyler Hero pop Tyler Hero in the in the starting lineup and have Duncan Robinson come off come off the bench. Um, I I think that, I think it pr- it perfectly fits how it is. I think Tyler coming off the bench is what they need because he kind of leads that unit when yeah. Jimmy goes to the bench for that one time of game he goes to the bench. <laughs> like a Manu a Manu yeah, type deal. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better, Jake. I agree. I think he is the perfect sixth man for them. I think he brings a spark that Duncan Robinson couldn't necessarily bring. And um, and then where would what would they what would the Heat do for those first three possessions where they hunt Duncan Robinson threes? Yeah, do the the, the, uh, the take a page out of the Clay uh, the Clay Thompson playbook. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about the Dragon and how amazing he's been? Amazing. Another huge game. I'm so glad he's finally getting some playoff shine because he's been he's been. He's been so good for so long. And he's just reached a different gear, though. He's playing yeah. unbelievable. Well, he's playing like his all-star self. He's playing like he's healthy, which yeah. has been an underrated storyline the last few years. He's been unhealthy, really. Like he's, he's had to deal with nagging injuries, significant injuries for the last few years. And he's finally healthy, and he's showing what he can do. Yeah. He's fever Dragic. He's all-star Dragic. He's amazing. There's just something about a smooth lefty shot that just looks so nice. He, yeah, has, has he yet to have a bad game in this entire playoff run? I don't think so. Yeah, if there is, I don't remember it. Like maybe a low-scoring game, but like still being effective. Like that's yeah, probably the worst game ridiculous. he had. Yeah, and I'm glad that they that Spolstra hasn't just defaulted to his lineup of the regular season, right? You see a lot of coaches yeah. default to what they're comfortable with from the regular season. Yeah. And he's not done that. You know, he's kept. And that's what makes him such a good coach. It, it's, yeah. Like that's kind of been the, the theme of the coaching is the bad coaches don't adjust the good coaches the great coaches do or not the bad coaches but you know in the, the playoffs the, the successful coaches adjust the non successful coaches don't adjust exactly and he's kept Myron Leonard on the bench he didn't succumb to pressure and put him back in the starting lineup mm-hmm. because he knows that this Bam led unit is killing it yeah and he you know he's kept Dragic in the starting lineup even though none had that spot for most of the year um, yep. because he's seen how good the Dragons doing and he doesn't want to stop it and. Yeah, little little things like that. Sometimes stepping back as a coach and letting things go yeah. is the is the right move and is an even harder move for them to make sometimes. Yeah. Excellent at doing yeah. It. In a league where we focus kind of solely on the players, I don't think he gets enough credit as a coach for being able to, like you said, pull back when he needs to and make adjustments when he needs to. Like yeah. he sees none is struggling. He's trying to get him involved, but when it comes down to it, when he's struggling, he's not going to be playing those minutes down the stretch. And Olenek is going to get more minutes instead of Leonard because he's doing more. He's making more plays. He's going to put Derek Jones in at the end of the game to guard Tatum, you know, at the last shot of the game, stuff like that. So it's been it's been great to watch him orchestrate yeah. this team. Really One has. thing um, I was watching a Kevin O'Connor video um, that just kind of speaks to that adjustment that that he can do is in the regular season they played a bunch of zone um, zone defense and the first two rounds they played zero zone defense. And then they brought it back now against the Celtics, and that just kind of shows, you know, that flexibility. It's like, okay, we ran zone a lot in the regular season, so we're just going to keep doing that in the playoffs. It's like, no, we'll do it if if it's if it works, we'll do it if we need to, you know. Um, right. And that that's that's really important. Yeah, it's, it's the anti Budenholzer. I know I keep is. coming back to him, but I'm just really disappointed in that Bucks. <laughs> well, the Bucks may be soon enough as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this. I think the one thing. Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna call my shot here, um, or, <laughs> or maybe give uh, credit to my shot that I called. Bam, huge in this game. 
Yeah. 18 points, nine assists, the hub of that offense at the high yeah. post. Uh, I, I was high on him going into the series, and I, I think this showed why. I think he can be both a defensive linchpin um, and an offensive hub. You know, he can, yeah. he can sit there at the high post. He can distribute the ball. He was a plus 12 in this game. He was great. So yeah. I think uh, – I think Bam's going to be huge. I don't think Tice and the bigs that they have to cover him can do it. The Time Lord might be the best matchup, but how much do you trust him in a playoff series now, right? So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, kudos to Brad Wanamaker on the Celtics side as well. You had a good Brad game, which is uh, not always the case. I know Celtics fans are always worried about that, but you yeah. played well in the spot, So I tend to judge people uh, incorrectly on their defensive abilities by their 2K ratings. And, <laughs> and as a D plus, Wanamaker really showed out and proved me wrong in this game. He was excellent on defense. <laughs> he was, yeah. So, unfortunately, they didn't take advantage of both a good Wanamaker game and a good Smart game. So yeah. we'll see going forward if they can. Uh, you know, really, the only other place that they can find points are, are Kemba shooting more efficient and Tatum shooting more efficient. Well, right? also Gordon Hayward. That's where they can find some points too. That could be Underrated. huge. That's true. When does Hayward coming back? Yeah. That is a leading question. Um, will it be time? Will it be in time to save the series? Because yeah, if Boston goes down 0-2, does he even come back? Yeah, that's tr- that could be trouble. Then, because uh, whenever you introduce a new player, it kind of uh, ruffles things up a it, little bit. It certainly does. It, it wrinkles the the fold. I, I guess if they're down 0-2. Brad probably inserts him anyways just to try and get some life into yeah. this, right? And also, um, do you, where, do you, where do you insert him? You bring him off the bench? Who are you taking out of that starting lineup to bring Gordon Gordon back into it? And more than anything, so what kind of Gordon are you getting? Because yeah. oftentimes when he comes back from an injuries, he does not look good. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of a Gordon, you know, one that's suffering and not shooting off in the field and is hesitant might be more of a distraction and a yeah. negative than anything. So, To me, you know, I, I would really like to see – them pop him in for Tice because once again Miami's not real like not really a big team. I think Bam's only six nine. You know, you put Tatum on him and like you switch off like Tatum Brown Hayward. They're all about that same size. Um, you know, like they're really not that big of a team. You don't really need Tice. Like I know he's a he's a good rim protector, but I think that could be a, a better lineup against what uh, Bam can do offensively mm-hmm. than to have just Tice in there. I think that would be a, an interesting lineup to see. I think so too, but they might sacrifice a little bit on the rebounding battle there. I mean, even in That's this true. one, they lost um, because Bam is so ferocious and he goes after it. And that is true. really, this whole Heat team is they crash the boards with abandon you wouldn't expect yep. from these small guys. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It's a it's a great game. If it uh, it bodes well for a great series, so I'm excited yeah. to watch it. Yeah, I do. I have a couple <laughs> things that kind of end the game. So first of all, this is another uh, a, a big pet peeve of mine. Probably the biggest NBA pet peeve is. Uh, in important plays, everyone's just standing around. One guy has the ball. I really hate that. Like end of end of regulation tie game. Why is Jason Tatum just throwing up a, a step back three from like five feet behind the arc? Like why in a tie game? Why is that? The, why is that the play? Mm-hmm. You know, get, get something moving towards the basket. Um, so that that really was another like kind of eyebrow raising thing. Like what what are they doing? Um, that was really weird. Um, and then, but one thing on Celtics' favor, and that the Heat might have to be worried about, Tatum absolutely cooked Jimmy Butler on that on that OT play. Like he he had that he dunk. Did. Like you can't if you're Jimmy Butler, you're a defensive, you're like a defense first guy. How do you get cooked that bad in a play that important? 
that you know what I mean? Like that that's a little bit scary if you're the Heat. Even moving forward, like let's say they beat, let's see, let's say they beat, you know, they beat the Celtics and go to the finals. You're th- you're looking at him to be your primary defender against like a LeBron, or if the Nuggets make it against you know Jamal Murray, can he can he do be that guy? Like especially against LeBron, who's who's a slasher. Like that's scary if, if that ha- if that can happen to Jimmy Butler like that. It is. That's a good point, uh, especially when you consider him the the dog on your defense, right? The, yeah. the point of attack kind of defender. If that's going to happen, yeah, you're right. the The only thing I'll say in his defense is that it, it didn't happen all game, right? It, yeah, it happened a few times for sure. Uh, that mm-hmm. one in particular being highlighted at the end there, but it didn't happen all game. He had a lot of possessions where he did stand up the the offensive player and he stopped the yeah. possession in his tracks. So I think, yeah. I think if he just respects Tatum's handle a little bit more he'll he'll be better off because it yeah. seemed like he was really crowding him on that play um, yeah that's true and that's why he got burned so mm-hmm. i don't know um hopefully he just starts to respect his handle a little bit more maybe it's an individual yeah. maybe not though I, I will pay attention and maybe that's something to pay attention to if tatum can start getting by him with ease that could turn the series for sure yeah they may have to take bam on him at that point then right yep. and you know that's a tall assignment for bam because Tatum is, is, you know, he's a rising star, man. He, he's got the moves. He's got all the tricks. So, yeah, he's going to be rough for them to deal with. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess we'll move on from that. We are God, move on. We're so deep in the podcast. We're 57 minutes in. Again. Uh, two again, games. Two <laughs> games. That we talked for 57 minutes, but <laughs> we just so have a series preview. About. And it was it was Clippers yeah, we, uh, falling apart once again. So that is a lot of stuff yeah, to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Oh God. All right. Well, we do have two other topics we can talk about. Do we want to talk about them or do we shelve them again for the next pod? I think we just got to keep shelving them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're good. They're, I mean, yeah, it, it, it keep them for All a rainy right. day. That, eventually, eventually we'll get there. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Maybe we can do an off topic pod one of these days and wait because the games will be slowing down. Right. We'll only really yeah. have one per day. Maybe we yeah, can do especially, it. Yeah. Once we get to the finals, pod so. just throw it in. Right, right, right. All right, so we'll we'll leave it there. Um, two amazing games last night. The best possible outcome in both, from my perspective. Uh, <laughs> Clippers <laughs> losing and the Celtics losing. Is there a better day for me in the NBA? I don't think so. If the Lakers won. If the Lakers won, that would be at yeah. the trifecta. But uh, <laughs> all right, so that's all I've got. We will come back to you on a Friday morning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. Any final notes from you two? Get a boo. All right. Get a boo from Jake. Get a bow. Get a, get a bow. <laughs> Girl. Get a boo, get a bow. And I will say, uh, no, I'm just going to say peace. I don't have a rhyme for that. So peace, and we will see you in the next one on Friday. Thanks for listening.